Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to a Wednesday on the Podcast Daily. And you know what that means, America. It's time to watch the stocks. We are outside at the Woody Hayes Athletic Center talking about the Buckeyes after a huge win over Rutgers. And as they get ready for Michigan State, looking at who up, down, static, hmm. those are stock those are stock, stock words. terms. All stock right, that's words. that's Bill Landis and Jeremy Birmingham. We're so so good at stocks. So smooth. Yeah, we nailed it. And I'm Austin Ward. Uh, who would like to go first? Bill. Oh, okay. Bill is stock up. Stock up. Um, I'm going to give a stock up to Jesse Merko for taking a Ooh. shot on the sideline, mm. and uh, he did come back and punt immediately after that. He did not punt the last one, as you alluded to, or not alluded to, mentioned earlier this week. Uh, but he got he popped back up. After taking it was a pretty vicious hit from it was a crookshank, right? That hit him on the sideline on that play. Um, got back in the ball game, punted it well again. He remains on his heater, punting the football, but also uh, turns out can take a hit too. So props to Jesse Murko. I think that's that Australian rules football in him. You know, that's a guy who played rugby. Like I don't think he's going to be a like worried about getting hit by a five foot nine, hundred and forty pound. <laughs> wide receiver yeah well, he's also like 32 years old so yeah he's been hit by worse yeah. he's been hit like run over by dingoes everything <laughs> in australia wants to kill you yeah. i'm not sure that he was worried about it but he still hasn't been hit in a long time like not that you know of got to get that blood in your mouth for the first time <laughs> not, not that i know of yeah that's true it is good on good out there your turn oh really yeah oh. you sure about that yep he's declaring himself king of the stock watch i don't need to since uh, since I said in the pregame keys for Ohio State and Rutgers that Steel Chambers had maybe missed one or two tackles and been leaving his feet a little bit early, again, we're nit- nitpicking one of the best teams in the country and the best athletes, some of the best athletes in the country. Like the way he performed after that was easily the best performance that he's had uh, since moving over to linebacker from running back. And I think sometimes it's easy to forget that he's only. 17 games into this and that because of what he had last year you know it's that full year under his belt he should be a finished product he should be a full go linebacker at this point he should know what to do he had spring practice he had summer workouts but this was a new defense these are new responsibilities uh, he still has not had a huge body of work at that position so i think to measure the improvement and see the improvement is significant for him and I think there will be a lot of NFL scouts and general managers enamored by the athleticism that he brings as a former running back. And then when you see things like, you know, not giving any ground on a tackle or sniffing out some of the throwback screens, a lot of things that we'll talk about later on on Buck IQ, uh, just as a spoiler alert for what's coming uh, on the podcast, it was a very impressive, technically sound performance from Steel Chambers that I think is up. Does it make you guys feel good? when you think a thing and then the coach confirms that mm. thing. Like Jim Knowles on Tuesday was asked, like, what if, what stood out about Steele? He's like, well, he stopped falling off of tackles and mm. he stopped trying to tackle everyone by the shoulders. You're just like, yeah, that's what I thought too. Yeah, Stock it does. up for us. It does feel good. Like we get to, <laughs> yeah. we get a thumbs up. I think it's unfair. People expect after 18 games that these guys, as you mentioned, are finished products. I, I'm 44 years old. I have no idea what I'm doing as a human. You know, I will never be a finished product. I've been doing this for 44 years, and I still suck. So, like, <laughs> the, the pod, we've only been doing the podcast for two. No, and but I'm talking months. about me just being a living, breathing human being. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, You're pretty good at it, man. I, I'm working hard to get your... better at it. And part of that growth is identifying when an offensive lineman is playing really good football, and Luke freaking Whippler is the one doing it. Luke Whippler has that's been part of your, your personal growth. Yeah. Personal <laughs> yeah, because like I can identify when other positions are doing things oh, well. Oh, yeah. I haven't always been 
really focused on how the offensive line is playing individually, but being around Welcome. Bill has inspired me to to dig deep into that area. You know, dig deep, mm. dive deep, dive, dive, dive. We call drill that down. we call that drill down. And, and Luke and Luke uh, Luke's been playing <laughs> wet, wet mud. freaking really well the last couple yes. of weeks. Um, and that started uh, in the Wisconsin game. He was absolutely dominant in that game, and that continued over against Rutgers. The offensive line is. Uh, playing extremely well. They're gelling as a group. They're staying healthy, which is the biggest and most important thing. I shouldn't have said that. Son of a gun. Sorry, everyone. Mm. Um, I know how this goes. Uh, but yeah, Luke Whippler to me is is up as the apex of the line, the apex, you know, and he's one of the guys that Ryan Day on Tuesday alluded to has really become a leader, um, not just on the offensive line, but on the whole team. So uh, Luke Whippler up. Mm. I agree. Um, I'll call this more of a of a static stock, but I think it represents improvement because a week ago I would have said stock down on the idea of Jordan Hancock playing any kind of role for this team this year. And maybe I am reading far too much into what Ryan Day said on Tuesday about his progress and the possibility of getting him back into the fold potentially as soon as the Iowa game after the bye week. But I thought that was really good news. One for the individual who seemed to have a great, great offseason and was positioned to play a big role on this team, but also for a position group that really needs it right now. Um, so I'll call, I'll call it static uh, with a lot of upside. If, if what Ryan Day, if the p- picture that Ryan Day painted on Tuesday is in fact the reality of the situation. Stock down. Ohio State special teams, specifically the return game, because Jesse Murko, as you said, made something happen there, and he's been punting very well. Kicking game has been pretty solid, kicking off and and covering. I just don't – I'm befuddled, Berm. Fair. This drought that I have talked about before, it's eight years now for a punt return uh, for touchdown and 12 for a kickoff. That may never happen again if you're just going to take touchbacks – or put a linebacker back there to field kickoffs. I just, maybe it'll go on forever, and they'll just never do it again. Um, I thought maybe Jaden Ballard would take the onside kickback for a touchdown, and that could have ended that conversation. But I just don't I don't get it. Ameke Ibuka is so talented, and it's cool that he can catch punts over his shoulder. Like That's a really hard thing to do. You're probably not going to do it every single time, and he didn't, and that caused a turnover on Saturday. Um, and, you know, we've seen the football go on the ground on kickoffs as well, and... There's just no excuse for it. Uh, I don't know any other way to say it. Ohio State has too many athletes, very good athletes, and Emeka is one of them, of course. We know what he's doing. He's so sure-handed as a receiver. Uh, It just doesn't make any sense to me why it looks so disjointed. And Ohio State tried something new on those punt returns, in the first one especially. They had two guys back there, and then they still put it on the ground. And I I don't know how much to put on the coaching staff. Some of it has to. If they're aligning these guys, which they said several weeks ago when Emeka was having adventures, and they're putting them back there not giving them proper depth, then some of that has to go on them. They're also the ones who pick the players to go out there and perform. So I don't, I just, I feel tired of talking about it. And I just can't understand why it's taking so long to get it right. Yeah. On the plus side, if they ever do return a kick or a punt for touchdown, you'll have to come up with something new for bold predictions. And so, like, in some ways, this is actually helping you. Did I say it last week or no? Well, no, but you wanted to. No, but we could feel that you wanted to. Yeah, it was definitely in the ether. Um, Hmm. I actually think, I'm curious if when Jackson Smith and Jigba (laughs) returns, if Emeka Abuka gets back to returning kicks, 
and that maybe right now he's not I the one so. doing it because you don't want to risk him taking a helmet to the thigh or something like that. Well, like this happened last year too. Like Julian sure. Fleming was out there, and like they I also love... score a touchdown ninety percent of the time they yeah. have the football. So like, I know. I, if you just catch it and fair catch it, you're probably going to lead to a score in a few minutes. So but even that's, that's an the, adventure. That's the problem. Is <laughs> like if it. you can't even catch it. Yeah, I don't know. I, don't, I mean, it's, I think catching a kick is actually one of the more underrated challenging things of, of football i know it's yeah, hard I know I, it's difficult. Yeah. i'm not uh, suggesting that I, it's i easy. don't think a Abuka needs to like increase the degree of difficulty by trying to do it over his head with his eyes closed <laughs> like that seems silly yeah but whatever um stock up because i'm not a believer in stock downs static or up that's all i deal with okay Good to that's go. why he's rich folks um <laughs> It's Every Mayan stock Williams. he's ever bought. It's Mayan Williams, yeah. obviously. It's, yeah. It seems like a no-brainer. But we're watching a player go from sort of a afterthought in the Ohio State offense even two months ago to now being in a guy who is very likely heading off to the NFL after this season, and I think he's earned it, and he's playing remarkably well. He's leading the team not just as far as what he's doing you know, with the reps that he's getting, but he's also becoming a real leader with, with Travion Henderson in that room and making sure that that room is cohesive. And, and and he's just been, it's been a bad dude, man. Like that stock is way, way up. Like if you're talking about guys who at the start of the year are up more than anyone would have thought, it's Tommy Eichenberg and Mayan Williams, right? Yep. Yeah. I saw a Heisman straw poll at, done by an outlet that perhaps I used to work for. <laughs> Where someone gave Mayan Williams a first place vote for the Heisman seems, Trophy. Seems designed to he get a little be, attention. <laughs> he has 500 rushing yards. He's got, what, six touchdowns or eight touchdowns on the season, 500 rushing yards, only 64 carries. If you just extrapolate that out to a normal running back's workload, you're talking about a kid that, like, uh, who is it? The, the kid at the Chase Brown in Illinois has mm-hmm. like twice the carries he does already. Like, that's. And only like but 200 like, more yards. That's sort of the funny part about doing something, casting a vote potentially for attention is like, like Mayan Williams doesn't lead the country in rushing. He doesn't lead them in rushing touchdowns. Like there's lots of other running backs that are probably more deserving of that. And even if you, like everyone is asking those questions in here uh, about the coaching staff, like they don't, nobody really is convinced that he's actually the starting running back, even if yeah. some of us think that he should be. So that seems a little bit, there out was, of whack. There was a lot of discussion on Stock Tuesday. down on that straw poll. On Heisman straw There was a lot of discussion on Tuesday about Mayan Williams as a recruit. And I, I'm laughing just thinking about in that cycle, Ohio State had an opportunity at the end of November, early December, into January to bring Jameer Gibbs in for an official visit. And that was after Bajan Robinson had decommitted and, and Jalen Knighton. And the hospital was like, ah, we're, we're good. We don't, we don't we didn't need this Jameer Gibbs fellow to come in. Oops. <laughs> I mean, like, turned out okay, but, like, wow. But, Can you imagine this running game right now if you had... Was it an oops? Like, you don't... Uh, uh, Jameer I mean, Gibbs is pretty ever, good. Jameer Gibbs is <laughs> yeah, but like nine yards that of just, carry. That just seems like yet another slight on the guy that you said was the biggest stock no, up. I'm just saying, up. it's just one of those crazy things where you think about how different things could have worked out. If Bajan Robinson stayed decommitted, or stayed committed, would, would Mayan Williams be leading Matt Campbell's Iowa State offense right now? Like... Recruiting is such a weird <laughs> world, man. They scored 11 points against Kansas, so yeah, they probably could have used stink. Recruiting uh, is just weird. That's all. Speaking okay. of stinking, can I do stock down on the Big Ten? Sure. Yes, the Big absolutely. Ten is terrible. 
They fired two coaches already. I'm not saying it wasn't deserved because it was, especially Nebraska, who should have fired Scott Frost like two years ago. Yeah. Um, and and Paul Christ, I think, kind of deserved what, what came to him over the weekend as well. Um, but this conference is not very good. And just when you think a team like might be okay, hello, Minnesota, uh, <laughs> they they rode the bow right in the Purdue and, and lost. Um, I just, there's not a lot to feel good about right now. Like Ohio State's good. I think Penn State's pretty good. I think Michigan's pretty good. And everyone else stinks. And that's a lot of teams stinking in your conference. Um, doesn't provide a ton of help for Ohio State in the event that they were like to lose a game and then have to like use its conference to prop itself up to try to still get into the playoff. I wouldn't feel particularly great about that at the moment. But just in general, I think this conference should be much, much better than it is at the moment. Hey, USC and UCLA are undefeated, pal. Yeah. They're, they're not, not actually in the Big Ten. Big Ten. It doesn't count yet. Son of a gun. They should get a bid. I tried to Indy though. Either if either one of them goes, yeah, yeah I'd rather. Can we get Ohio State and USC? I, want, Indianapolis and I wonder if anybody had Illinois. pointed out this problem with the divisions over the last, I don't know, five six years that maybe your two best teams, regardless of division or not have divisions at all, should be playing in Indianapolis if it's for the college football playoff. What will possibly be out there for Ohio State to gain if they play Purdue? In Indianapolis. Just a whole lot of angst for the fan base when they see the P on the helmet. It's just completely, <laughs> completely unnecessary. Yeah. Um, That's changing, though, next year, most likely, right? We yes, think. it is. Yeah. Um, thank God. Stock up. Zach Harrison. I think you, one of you guys has probably mentioned this in the last several weeks, probably both of you, that he's playing at a level that doesn't get enough credit. And if you're grading on a BOSA or Chase Young scale, hey, you probably think that that's stocked down and that he hasn't lived up to the five-star expectations. I know there are many people that, that certainly feel that way about Zach Harrison, but if you're not seeing what he's actually providing for Ohio State, um, it's pretty important. And I know that um, it's not the sexiest thing in the world to set the edge against the rush or uh, to just match the hand and deflect a pass, even though that does get you a little bit more attention if you help create a turnover. And look, He is very good stopping the rush. He's getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback. Is he getting home at a predator-like level? No, he is not. But he's the reason he's playing the volume of snaps that he is is because he is producing uh, every single time with his assignment, or the high majority of the time. He's playing with a good motor. He's very athletic. He's not giving up on plays. A lot of things that he hasn't done as well in, the, in years past, he's corrected and improved them, and I think that he is a key part of the Silver Bullets renaissance. Concur. Agree. Same. Um, <laughs> to me... Uh, now he's, he's just trying to make memes now. Yeah. Like, to me, it's uh, it's stock up on another guy that hasn't had a lot of uh, productivity as far as numbers go, but you can see that he's really buying into what it takes to be successful in the Ohio State wide receivers room, and that's Jaden Ballard. The, the special teams work that he's continued to do on, on, as the gunner on the punt team is special, I and mean, if you're We've seen a lot of people want to make the comparisons to Devin Smith just from Maslin wearing number nine. Like, that's where you're seeing the real similarities, I think, pop up. Is That's how he's playing as the gunner on the kick team, on the punt team. Um, and then you saw him out there on the punt return. I think there's an opportunity coming for him to make some to make some hay at that spot. And for a young guy that, um, you know, coming out of high school, Jaden, his athleticism was never really in question. It was like, does he buy into the team – football game idea and he seems to be really 
doing that now. And kudos to Brian Hartline for connecting with him on that level because he wasn't always that way. So to me, Jaden Bowden, I think he's going to be a really, really good receiver here next year and beyond. But finding a way to make an impact now when you're not getting the football and doing it with a smile on your face is a winning personality trait. The rest of the unit seems to really respond to him. He is always that guy when they when the wide receivers and quarterbacks get together in pregame warmups and do their little dance uh, in the end zone and circle up. Uh, C.J. Stroud almost always taps Jaden Ballard to go first and unleash some some wicked moves. Some, moves. some wicked yeah. moves it's in the there. Masculine, uh, the masculine steps. That's what, That's they, what they call it. That's what they call it. Yeah, I've seen it. It's a lot of this. That's not what it looks like. No. Well, I didn't go to Massillon. Stock up on berm shoes, by the way. Can't see those. Yeah. And you missed those dance steps. Well, these are snappy J's. Oh, oh, my. Okay. That's a different show, Burn. This is the stock watch, or it was. And we've reached its con- logical conclusion. <laughs> yep. uh, this has been the podcast daily for Wednesday. Uh, we'll have some interviews later on Wednesday night, some snappy J's that are not berm shoes afterwards. We'll talk about Ohio State and Michigan State on Saturday. That's Bill Berm. I'm Austin. We'll see you later.